This episode was originally recorded in late 2022. You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Pharmacy IT Me podcast. Uh, my name is Tony Dow, and today we have a returning guest, Dr. Brian Fung, one of my colleagues and I am proud to say uh, one of my good friends now. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast again, Brian. How are you doing? Doing great. It's end of the work day. Uh, feeling good. Excited to do non-work stuff. But thanks for having me, Tony. Always a pleasure to be on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't really had a full one-on-one conversation with you ever since you fully moved into the health tech realm. And um, I guess even just before we talk about that, uh, for listeners who may not have known, you know, your history, your past experience, can you kind of just give a little bit of a, like a summary of like where you used to be and then like where you are today? Sure. So very briefly, my background is pretty traditional for all intents and purposes. Uh, you know, pharmacy, pharmacy school, did two years of residency uh, with my second year being in pharmacy informatics. And then from there, I went over to Mayo Clinic. Uh, for seven years, where I helped with the implementation of the Epic EHR. So I was an informatics pharmacist working on that project there. And then after that, and most recently, just a couple months ago, made the leap into health tech, which is where I am now at Barely. That's probably the my journey in a nutshell. Awesome. So yeah, so the whole journey into health tech, like I, I've always been curious, but I'm not, I'm not a big risk taker enough to move to health tech. I, I still. I uh, really appreciate being where I'm at now, just more, you know, for stability and things like that. But um, I think for, for you, I, I know it was recently they switched over to health tech and I was wondering, like, what kind of made you to, what kind of made you make that decision of like moving from informatics to the general, more like health tech space? You know, that's a very good question. I, I always try to figure out what's the most salient response to that myself. So in no sequential order, this is probably just going to be a spitballing of thoughts, but I can say a couple things. So the first of which is probably my experience in the MPH program. So in 2018, uh, I was what, like three years into the Mayo Clinic project. I began to think about public health and just like other things. Long story short, I finished the public health program in May of 2020. And it made me think about healthcare as a whole quite differently. And what I mean by that is, you know, as healthcare professionals, we're taught to think about how do we take care of patients, aka individuals, but we're not really taught how to take care of or solve problems at a population level, which is what I learned a lot in my MPH studies. And from that experience, it made me think about where would I like to spend my time in tackling those kind of issues? Because in my mind, tackling a population level issue will trickle down to the individual level. And examples of this would be like having healthcare access for everyone, making sure healthcare quality is great for everyone versus just that one person or persons. So that's one of them. It's just thinking about what I could do. And I, I explore different areas, which maybe we can get into like government, and then tech is actually one of those areas. So that's one thing. It's just my experience in the MPH degree. 
The second thing is probably kind of status quo, if you will, like just the idea of, you know, you've done something for a certain period of time. For me, it was seven years. And it's like, you want something a little bit different. You know, you want a little bit, maybe more of a challenge. So I think from that lens, I was just looking for what other opportunities that might challenge me a bit more. And it's, this one's not so much of a new feeling because I talked about this a bit in 2018 after we implemented one of the most complex implementations of the Epic EHR and something just felt missing. I enjoyed the challenge leading up to the implementation, but after the implementation, it just felt a little missing. So I think to summarize the second thing here is just that I was looking for a new challenge. And then the third piece is probably related to the second one, but also heavily influenced by one of my colleagues, Dennis. I'm sure many of the folks who listen to your podcast are familiar with Dennis. And what he said was quite intriguing. And that was about where we are in life in relation to our career. You know, many of us are in our late 20s or early 30s, and we have, you know, the next 20, 30 years to work. And what he talked about was, do you really want to spend some of the most, you know, potentially fruitful and productive and impactful years of your life doing what you're doing? Or do you want to make a larger impact somewhere? And, you know, as I kind of think about number two, and where I was in being status quo, I started to think about what Dennis said and looked into where or what can I do with the next 20, 30 years of my life that would be most impactful. And of course, maybe there's a little bit of influence from number one there. So maybe I'll just stop there uh, and, and just share like those three things are some of the primary reasons why I started looking to help tech. Yeah, uh, they actually all kind of relate because the first one and the last one are obvious reasons, but the second one where you're saying that you you implemented a very complicated implementation, you said there was something missing at, after that. And when you said that, it kind of like, to me, it sounded like there was not a satisfaction of a sufficient impact, maybe. Like that's how I kind of read your answer in a way that it would relate to what you saw by going through MPH program and then just seeing like population level impacts, right? Is it kind of related to that? It, it, close. Maybe maybe I can elaborate a bit more on that too. Um, the easiest way to elaborate would be to say it, differentiate between population health and public health. So population health is specific to a given population or cohort, right? In this case, or where I was at Mayo, the population are the population is Mayo Clinic's patients. But public health is usually a little bit more broad. It's the population of every single you know, citizen, if you will, in the United States. And in global health, it's all over the world. And so if you look at it from that lens, the impact is limited to Mayo Clinic's population as opposed to the, the next impact that I would like to have, which the MPH focused on, was beyond that, if that helped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that totally makes sense. That, that makes sense of your three kind of like um, divided reasons that they're, they're all related in a way. Uh, so, you know, you moved into health tech and that was a big journey. I, I remember you talking about that with um, with uh, our whole group. And uh, I know you also went through many different interviews for that. And I guess when you were going through your whole process, 
What did you kind of see from the health tech side that was different in terms of recruiting than what you knew from the you know health systems or informatics side? Yes. So uh, quite a few things. I think the very first one was the difference in resumes versus CVs. Maybe that's the easiest one to think about. You know, wh- wherever I applied, and especially in pharmacy, it's always like your CV. You know, it's a long CV, 5, 10, 20 pages. But then in these tech roles, it's all about your resume, that one-page resume, it, and, and about your most recent impactful accomplishments. So that was a pretty big change for me. So to begin the process of applying to health tech roles, I had to revise my CV and turn it into a one-page resume. That's the very first thing. The second thing is probably like the whole fit. And I know it's it's talked about quite a bit, but where exactly do pharmacists fit into the world of health tech? There's a lot of places, but where in terms of like position title? And I think that was a huge struggle. So relating it back to the difference between health systems, it's like we're in pharmacy, we apply to a job called pharmacist. Or if it's in informatics, it's like pharmacy informatics or informatics pharmacist. It's more or less simple to know what jobs to apply for. Health tech was very weird. Um, And so knowing how you're, well, I guess, let me take a step back. Really understanding the value you provide and the skills you had to translate that into a title. And maybe to make it even more simplistic here, Many of the skill sets that we have as an informatics pharmacist, I think, lend very well to a product manager. And my definition, which is probably different than many other people's definitions, is that a product manager is almost like you lead without authority and you lead cross-functionally to you know, launch some product. Let's say the product to reference our informatics type work is leading the implementation of a brand new oncology clinical decision support system, or actually just make it more simple, an oncology system (laughs) as part of Epic or Cerner. And usually there's all this like implementation work and planning work and stuff related to that. So what you have to do is you usually function similar to a product manager where you kind of work with your stakeholders, your oncologists, uh, to understand what the needs are, the requirements. You You draft them all out, you put the specs on, You also work with your technical folks, like your engineers, and understand what's possible, what's not possible. You also may need to work with upper management, like your CEOs, your C-suite, for product timelines, finances, and things like that. And you may need to work with your marketing communications folks in terms of implementation, communication, communicating all that stuff out. And all in all is to say you work cross-functionally to turn some idea into an actual thing. So product managers is a a great translation of that skill. Not apples to apples, but very close. I'd probably belabored that point a little bit. But so that's the second thing is probably finding a good fit. And then the third thing is maybe the most pessimistic, and there's probably no easy way to phrase this, is that when you're applying to health systems, we know that you need a pharmacist. I mean, if you don't have a pharmacist in your hospital, you can't do, get the meds, right? Health tech doesn't necessarily require or need a pharmacist. And I think that became overtly clear when I saw the number of rejections that I received. And I think 
in just conversations with other pharmacists looking to break into tech, it seemed as though anecdotally, the appreciation of the value of a pharmacist from the lens of people in health tech is extremely undervalued. They don't know what you do. They don't really understand. It's probably very similar to public perception that pharmacists basically count by fives and sit behind a counter and just put pills in bottles. And I think that one's a was a very huge struggle because the moment someone from health tech sees your resume, they wonder what kind of value you bring in. And you might immediately be just discarded because of that. So I think that was the next biggest difference was like health systems, you obviously know that you're needed to some capacity. In health tech, they don't necessarily need you. And the, the healthcare people that they typically noted specifically in their job apps were physicians or nurses. You rarely, if ever, saw pharmacists. One exception that I can think of to that is like Amazon's pill pack, which usually called for pharmacists in some of those positions. But other than that, you rarely saw that. But I'll stop there because I rambled a bit. Those are my three things. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things you said was about like, you know, people not knowing what value a pharmacist does. And I think just to add to that, I also think as pharmacists, we're not very good at selling ourselves and our skill set. So that I think is a big thing that, that you know, you, you found while you were looking for the health tech roles. And I would say, I, based on what you said, I think that's one of the biggest things to recommend to people if they're looking to move into a health tech role, right? Like learning to figure out how to sell yourself and not being afraid to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know why that is like such a common observation that I see as well. Just the fact that as pharmacists, we tend to sell ourselves short in, in so many ways. So I mean, I completely agree. Yeah. So I guess the other thing I wanted to know too, like now that you're in like a health tech company, do you, you kind of see like, you know, what your, your original thought was and that you can now actually make that big impact? Like, is that something that you kind of see the health tech field itself kind of satisfying that that goal for you? Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's a great question. And the answer is going to be a, a mixture of like, yes and no. <laughs> and I, I'll start with more of like a, a commentary. So I think taking a huge step back, a lot of the things that I like to do, I like to tie it to like this big goal that I have. You know, what exactly do I want to do for my entire life? And that that goal at the highest level is to improve health and reduce healthcare costs. Very similar to like the triple aim of healthcare, right? But you need to add some practical things to it to make it actually work. And I think the one of those practical things is connecting healthcare data because I think Truly, as healthcare professionals, when you have access to all of the relevant patient data, you provide better patient care, reduce unnecessary tests, reduce costs, like just everything is great, right? So I think to answer your question in that sense is I struggled a lot in all my former roles in how we can bridge the gap in connecting healthcare data. I, you know, was at a healthcare system and I was previously at the ONC working with regulations, and I didn't really understand what the path to do that was. And I also didn't fully understand, probably not until now, some of the more technical barriers as to why we can't do it. You know, like healthcare systems or hospitals taught me why we need to do it, 
federal government helped identify where like the guardrails were and how we can accomplish it. But then I really didn't understand the little nuances of like how we actually do it. And I think a very long answer to what you kind of asked is tech is allowing me to do that. You know, especially in my role where I'm more deeper into the weeds of how we engineer data and and what does data actually mean, I'm beginning to understand and have a strong appreciation for every single engineer that I've ever worked with because it's it's hard, but it, it's helping me. the The position that I have right now has has really opened my eyes to what exactly needs to be done. I don't know if this would be the end goal per se, but I'm slowly learning every single day how we can get closer to a dream of an interoperable healthcare world. And I'll stop there. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, you did. It's it's interesting to hear, you know, your answer because like I've spoken with other people in health tech, like like you said, Dennis, and uh, you know, a few other people too. And it's it's, you know, it's really interesting. Okay, so you know, for me, I've only been on the informatics side. And I never really worked on the health tech space. Um, I've only known that from actually talking to other people who work in the health tech space. Prior to having talked to any of them, I had no idea how complicated it is, how how difficult it is to get all these things to talk to each other. Then, you know, when I started talking to you guys more, when I started talking to David Vu, Dennis Lim, more recently, William Starnes, you know, everyone, right, in the health tech space, and hearing about the problems that that you are facing in that side and then hearing about type of data that you get from so many disparate systems. For me, I have a different perspective of when I work with vendors now because now I actually feel a little bit more appreciative of like how hard they are trying and I can see how hard they are trying. It was more of like, I think, at a certain level of ignorance for me that I didn't really know from the perspective of someone working in health tech. So it's great to hear, you know, like what you're saying, it kind of jives with everyone else that has been in health tech and just, you know, expressing how difficult it is to get to that, you know, dream perfect world of interoperability, you know? Yeah. Another way of that I like to think about it too, is picturing yourself in someone else's shoes, you know? And similar to maybe some of the, the comments that you made prior to having a role at the ONC in, in what the federal space was like, I was extremely critical of everything related to the federal government. I'm like, why do you do this? People make these rules, don't understand what's going on. And even when I got there, I was just complaining all the time. I'm like, why do you guys do this? But then I understood. I understood why certain things happened. But that's not to say it can't be changed but I understood. And I think putting yourself in someone else's shoes or this, you know, the other, yeah, the other group's shoes really helps to paint that picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, um, that's like how I'm kind of like doing too right now. Cause just talking and hearing all these things about how health tech really is. And, uh, now, you know, I mean, there are still things that I understand enough that I would be critical of, but then there are other things where I'm like, okay, I know that on the health tech side, their their hands are tied and, you know, we can't really do anything. And, you know, the other thing I always like am interested in is like how, how the health tech side is trying to solve problems that they don't have full access to data for. And, I, you know, I don't want to talk in the specifics about like what you're doing at the company that you're at, but it's just, I... I really appreciate 
the amount of effort that's being done on the health tech side, given that there is so much, from what I can tell, so much barrier for them to have the right tools to do it. Does that make sense? I think so. I don't actually know if I have a good answer to that. I, I do have a comment about some of my classes I took back in my MPH where it was biomedical informatics courses. And I worked with a lot of vendors who were taking those courses too. And many of their comments to me was like, wow, I wish I had an EHR. I wish I had access to data. So without really knowing the answer to that question and just kind of extrapolating from all of the classmates who are vendors, it, it sounds like it's a challenge for vendors who don't have that access. I, I don't know how they get the access. I'm sure there are many different ways. And of course, I, I know there's like sandboxes, especially ONC provides like a lot of sandbox. There's like different groups out there that provide synthetic data. But I, I imagine that just does not do it justice. Yeah, I mean, you can only do so much with like a test environment. But once you hit the real, <laughs> the real health data, right, it's just crazy out there. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure you know, because you've worked in a in a big health system before. So you, you would know that. And actually talking about the health system, I, I wanted to also ask you, you know, now that you work in health tech and now that you work at Verily and what kind of skills were you kind of able to take with you from your previous roles that, that helped you kind of transition into this one smoothly? I guess my question is, what kind of skill sets did you already develop in your past roles that are still useful today? Yeah, I think this is, that's, that's a great question. I'll just answer it straight up. So the very first one is probably true in any industry, just communication, especially as informatics pharmacists, where we're always in communication with our stakeholders, our technical folks, and we're doing presentations or facilitating. Communication is 100% one of the more key critical skills that I've been able to transition over and use quite often here. The second one is probably more nuanced to health systems. So a lot of people outside of health systems don't really understand what happens in health systems, like the workflows, the insurances, and just like what happens in day to day. So I think having the domain expertise in some of those things is very, very helpful to people who have never worked uh, in that setting. So that's the second thing. A third thing is probably more unique to my interest when I was at Mayo, and that's the skills of like a clinical terminologist. And what I mean by that is like within health system, let's say you have a list of 3,500 medication records. Those medication records, you can build it to be whatever one. Technically, you, can, you don't even have to build it as a medication. You can build it as like a, I don't know, one of them could be alligators, <laughs> you know, not even a medication record. But behind the scenes to make sure it's representative of a medication, you usually want to append some standard like an ARCS norm code or an NEC code to it. And when I was at Mayo, I did a lot of that work. Very fortunate to have had the opportunity. And I did it for not just meds, but also labs, diagnoses, uh, different conditions, just a, a lot of different things. So I got to get the experience of like a clinical terminologist. And I think going to health tech when you, both the domain expertise of like how things work and also the technical expertise of like how to represent technical things in a computer computable way with standards 
really, really help. And then maybe the last thing is working cross-functionally, I think is really nice. Maybe it's very similar to the communication aspect, but when I was at Mayo's or just as an informatics pharmacist for that matter, I feel very comfortable working across different teams. Usually one single team alone will not be able to solve the bigger picture or the the more difficult problem. Usually you have to engage multiple teams. And you know, in Epic, that would be something like, oh, we want to create a new um, documentation workflow for sepsis. Usually it's not just the pharmacy team. You probably need the ClinDoc team. You probably need the Ordersets team. You maybe need the decision support team. And I think, and probably not true of all health tech roles, but certain ones, teams are very matrixed. And you have to understand that it's important to learn how to work cross-functionally to get what you need to get done. Um, Those are probably some of the ones that come to the top of my head in terms of skills that were transferable over. Okay, cool, cool. Thanks for sharing that. And I guess, so you work out Verily now, and I, I still haven't asked you this, so I'll ask you now. What is your role at Verily and what is Verily? Yeah, so in short, Verily is an alphabet company focused on precision health. My formal title is a health data architect. And then it's just a fancy way of saying we create all the pipelines from end to end <laughs> without saying too much, but that that's pretty much it. Data, data, data architect in general has a formal definition that you can look more into, but that's the, the short of it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I won't ask anything <laughs> detailed or anything, but, uh, Let's see. I, I wanted to also ask you, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've thought about this. I'm sure people have asked you about this. Given that you've gone from informatics and now into health tech, what, and you know, just preface this, I know you've already mentioned it earlier in this interview, but what kind of like a summary of like pieces of advice would you give to someone who is looking to move into health tech? Mm. I think the very first thing that comes to mind is that it's, not the most easy thing to jump into. I think based on just the the types of questions I get, it would seem as though doing certain things can get you in easier, like just literally learning how to code, which is not necessarily true. I think why, well, let me just, let me just say getting into health tech is not easy. And if you want to get into health tech, you have to understand it's a blend of two different roles. So Think about how hard it was to get into pharmacy school or be a pharmacist. Now imagine adding the skills of someone who's pure technical. So to get into health tech, you have to understand that it's not easy because you're almost like learning two different things. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is that's more positive is that if you do want to get into health tech, understand your value. You re- Actually, Dennis said this really well. Dennis mentioned that you have to be able to articulate your value. And an easy way of saying that is you're a pharmacist with technical skills. That's very rare. Most people have one or the other, but not both. So when it comes to advice for getting to health tech is really emphasizing that particular piece. I'm a pharmacist. I understand what happens. I know all the healthcare stuff. I have the domain expertise, but I also have the technical skills to make it all happen. So that's the second piece of advice, really being able to articulate your value and emphasizing that you have both of those skill sets. And the third thing is maybe about 
actually just learning the technical skills. At some point, you really do need to sit down and just learn. And I would say there's many ways you can approach this. There's a lot of free ways. I'm a huge fan of free ways of learning how to do things. All the MOOCs or the massive online courses like Coursera, edX, there's many free courses you can take to learn like technical skills, SQL, R, Python. At some point, you're going to need to learn it. But the thing is, I would say to be very pinpoint with the advice, you must learn SQL as a foundation and you should learn one other programming language that's that is your primary. Don't learn everything under the sun. Pick one and learn it really well. So it should be like SQL and R or SQL and Python and all the other whatever programming language you want to add to it. But that would be my third tip. And we'll keep it short. Those are the three tips I have. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. SQL is always something I tell people to. I don't know, you know, I don't know the, the real SQL because I work with the Cerner system, so we use CCL. But I still tell anyone who asks me about like, they need to learn a language, what it is. And I'm just like, you got to learn SQL because almost every healthcare database out there, how healthcare data is stored is just in relational databases and most of it's SQL. So it's, you have to learn it. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That part of it where you're saying has to be at least SQL. But yeah, thanks for sharing that. So if, uh, you know, if the listeners wanted to reach out to you for, you know, any other questions, maybe learn a little bit more about what you do or you know, your past experiences, like what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, so the best way is probably through LinkedIn, like a message or probably through my email, my personal email, which is ufbfung at gmail.com. I will add a disclaimer that it's pretty hard for me to respond to messages I get in the different social media platforms. And I'm better at some and worse at others. Terrible at Instagram and Twitter and emails can get easily piled up. So I would say if you really want to reach me, LinkedIn is probably the best way followed by email. But I'll also add another caveat of I have a website, briankfung.com. And on that website, there's an FAQ that what I try to do is put together like the most commonly common questions I get. And I try to answer it there. And many, many of the times, probably like 60, 70% of the questions are contained in that piece. So before reaching out to me, I would highly suggest checking that out first. And if the answer is not there, then reach out afterward because I'm not the best with messages. But LinkedIn is the best way if you do need to reach me. It's funny. Part of the reason why I had this podcast too is to to have questions that are commonly asked answered. So so that's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a nice repository and you just like share the <laughs> yeah, share yeah. the podcast episode, right? Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like someone wants to talk about health tech and it's like, oh, go listen to this interview with Brian Funk. So I'll be putting a link to your website and also the other ways to reach you. But you know, to be respectful of your time, you know, this was really cool again to like get to talk to you again, kind of one-on-one and kind of just like talk about these kind of things. So thanks for, you know, taking some time to be on the podcast again. Thanks. Thanks for the t- uh, having me and big shout out for everything you do because there's not a day that goes by where someone doesn't talk about the value that this podcast provides. So thanks, Tony. All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends. 
or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there. And I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is a tool. Patient care is the goal.